0: big fan of sports and I'm I'm a big fan of nature and in sports it's always about pushing yourself always about getting to the next level and in nature I look at the tree and a tree just grows as tall as it can and I what I found is that I had boxed myself in based on a degree or based on a job title and I just it just got to the point where I said you know I need to push myself as far as I can push myself and this, this job title, this vocation was, it felt like it was limiting me, I had settled. And if anyone who works a salary job, sometimes you get into a settling mindset. And I said, you know, enough is enough. It's time for me to go and be a little bit more entrepreneurial and push myself, use all my creative juices and build something and just be as great as I can.
1: In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Jeremy Matthews, a former research scientist and senior acquisitions editor for the MIT Press. He's a seasoned book publishing strategist and entrepreneur. Jeremy has spent over 15 years reviewing and publishing award-winning books, interviewing and recruiting high-profile authors, and launching new publishing and digital content brands. He works with hybrid book publishers, premium book coaches, and editors that serve nonfiction book authors. Despite all of his professional degrees and credentials, Jeremy decided to bet on himself and become a full-time entrepreneur so he could live a more fulfilling and freedom-filled life. Please enjoy my conversation with Jeremy Matthews on the MeBet
0: podcast.
1: Welcome to the MeBet, Jeremy.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Glad to be here.
1: I am excited to have you here. You have quite a varied background. You're a scientist, editor, engineer, inventor, and entrepreneur. So, and you've had very different careers that have backed up your impressive professional credentials. I know you have a PhD in chemical engineering. You've been an an acquisitions editor at MIT Press for several years, and you recently decided to quit and start your own projects. Why leave a stable career to bet on yourself, a married man with three children?
0: (laughs) You know, I think, I I like to explain it this way. So I'm a big fan of sports and I'm I'm a big fan of nature. And in sports, it's always about pushing yourself, always about getting to the next level. And in nature, I look at the tree and a tree just grows as tall as it can. And I what I found is that I had boxed myself in based on a degree or based on a job title. And I just it just got to the point where I said, you know, I need to push myself as far as I can push myself. And this this job title, this vocation was, it felt like it was limiting me. I had settled. And if anyone who works a salary job, sometimes you get into a settle-in mindset. And I said, you know, enough is enough. It's time for me to go and be a little bit more entrepreneurial and push myself, use all my creative juices and build something and just be as great as I can.
1: Was there any one particular thing that hit you? Like, was there a pivotal moment where you said, okay, I'm going to really push myself even more right now?
0: Yeah, I think it's, well, two things. One is the company that I was working with, in uh, a very respected academic publisher uh, wanted to give me new, new work. Um, give me new authors, and I thought to myself that you know, this is going to be a lot more work, probably with not as much return. That that was one. Number two is it's a it's kind of a long term business where if you're an acquisitions editor like I am and maybe was at the time of this recording. Um, it, you you have to work with authors like you're an agent and you work with them for years and they do new books with you and I didn't want to get stuck in that role. So for me it was time it, it was a good time to break. And the other reason is that both my wife and I are pushing each other. We've been thinking about becoming entrepreneurs for a while. We've done a few things, but you know we just felt like now is the time for both of us to go all in. So we're both working on building our own online presence at the same time.
1: That's incredible. I commend you on it because I was just going to ask you, what was your wife's perspective on you leaving this very <laughs> comfortable salary job to go out and pursue some more creative pursuits?
0: I was very nervous about how she would react, <laughs> to be honest, because she's not as much of a risk taker as I am. Uh, but when I told her, I'll never forget the look on her face. It was a look of, Wow you did it you know like but not in a yeah you did it but not in a i'm not happy you did it uh that, that you did it it was wow you know i i understand it was a, like an, a look of understanding and she did it herself you know not, not to make it completely about her but when she was mid career she decided to and had two children she had to go back to dental school and complete her dental degree got a baby in the middle of dental school and completed that. So she bet on herself a few years ago. And so when I made that decision, I think she understood.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So we have a, a whole family full of meat betters <laughs> over there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So she actually has that good understanding. She knew what you were looking for because yeah. she had stopped that out herself. That 100%. makes
0: it easier.
1: When you agree, it, don't you think that made that conversation definitely, easier definitely, and that transition easier?
0: Definitely. I think you and I were talking about a previous podcast with someone in the same community as ours and his wife also supported him when he made his decision. And it's really, it really makes it a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have that additional stress because
0: yeah, tr-
1: making yeah. that transition can be stressful enough. But if yep. you have home stress, it's like, oh no, like... Yeah, that can yeah. make it a little bit tougher. Absolutely. You have been an entrepreneur before because in 2016, you co founded STEM Reads Book Club. You operated right. it for two years and then you closed it yep. down. And I yep. think you may be thinking about reviving it in maybe a different iteration in some way, possibly. What would you do differently this time with your entrepreneurial projects? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, I think part of the challenge that I had with STEM Reads Book Club, which was a monthly subscription box of children's STEM books, was I had a partner who was much more experienced in business, and I didn't pay attention to the marketing. I left that to him. I didn't pay attention to the finances. I left that to him. I did most of the content. I did most of the sort of the product development and so this time, I think what I need to do differently is to learn every aspect of being an entrepreneur myself. You're not really an entrepreneur unless you kind of understand every aspect because it's all on you, right? You can't really point to someone else. You know, and that's that's the big thing about working with a company. You do what you're supposed to do. You don't have to worry about someone else's job. Some people like that, but I actually do like learning about all aspects of business so this time I'm going to lean in and you know get my feet wet with every aspect of the business.
1: And that's really important because as an entrepreneur you do wear all the hats. Everything. You yes. are HR, you are marketing, you are research, mm-hmm. you are fulfillment. It can be overwhelming but at the same time the rewards are yours as well. So you take ownership of not only the I like to call them experiments, not failures, but you take ownership <laughs> of those experiments. That's right. You also That's right. take ownership of the successes as well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not opposed to outsourcing and delegating, but it's better to know how to train people once you've had some experience doing it yourself first.
1: I can totally relate to that because I remember when I needed to get a website made And I hired a virtual assistant and I said, okay, this is what I want. And what came back to me was nowhere near what I wanted. And so I was kind of in a time crunch. So I had to figure out how to do it myself. And from that point on, I realized how important it was to know, even if it's just the basics, I don't have to know all the ins and outs, But even if it was just the basics of, okay, this is what I need. So then I can properly explain to the virtual assistant, okay, this is what I'm looking for. So when it comes back and it's incomplete, I'll have a better sense of that. So I I think you're right on the money with that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. When you were operating your uh, STEM Reads Book Club, do you recall the day when you made your first sale, what that was like?
0: <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, what I remember about that business was us being really excited. We started an Instagram. We started posting, getting a lot of people liking it. And that was was cool, right? Like people started following like, oh, they like what we're putting out there. And then we did a pre-launch. And We said, okay. if you recommend 50 people, you get you get it free for a year, the product free for a year. Or if you recommend 10 people, you get 50 percent off. And it was fairly successful. I think we launched with. Two hundred customers or 150 customers. And so that was really, really exciting to have done that. And actually, I'm glad you asked that question because it made me, sometimes you forget your wins because you focus on the losses. You know, we ended up closing it down. I didn't make a ton of money from it, you know, because our margins were a little thin. You know, all these things, as you just said, they're experiments, they're learning experiences. But you asking me that reminded me of the fun and excitement of doing that pre-launch and actually people giving you actual money for this idea that you created. So... Uh, Yeah, it was, it was exciting.
1: So important to remember those wins, the small wins, because having 200 customers, that's a big deal. You cannot underestimate that. These are 200 people who have said Mm -hmm. yes to what you're Mm -hmm. putting out there. That's definitely something to be proud of.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? Those were parents buying something for their children and parents are very careful about what they buy for their children especially educational materials and that's what we were offering them and actually it's making me a little like a bit emotional thinking about that we got the trust in those two years of about a thousand unique customers in total many of them just renewing every month trusting us to give them a product that their children would appreciate and that would bring some benefit to their children. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Those are things that you can't forget.
1: i like to underscore what you said about you earn their trust with something so important as the information that is feeding their brains. You are helping them to develop and you earn that trust where those parents said, we feel comfortable. We like what you're putting out there. They like it so much that they, get it on a monthly basis that's yeah. a really big deal that yeah really, yeah that is I know for myself when I first started on this entrepreneurial journey mm-hmm. I underestimated the power of the small wins like I totally overlooked them like <laughs> I didn't really stop and think about them I was always focused on those big deals those big wins the the big stuff which quite honestly were few and far between but it was the small wins that got me up to the point of the larger ones. Yeah. So in the last, since, I guess it's been the last nine months or so, I have been starting to write down small wins and I use, mm. and I do it weekly. So what I do okay. is I, I always have my phone with me, my iPhone. So on the notes app, I created a little folder that says, weekly wins and so I always start on a Monday so from Monday through Sunday whenever a win happens I always type it into my phone and then like at the end of the month I'll review those wins to see like okay what happened this month what did I do because weekly wins there's not as much pressure as a daily win yeah okay yeah I mean So I, I have found that that is helpful because it really changed my mindset about what I focus on in the sense of appreciating all of the things that have gotten me to
0: this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's gratitude. You know, people say gratitude and they talk a lot about gratitude for everything that you've received, but. What's wrong with being grateful for what you've given, uh, for what you've created, for what you've done as well? You know, and it's, it, you know, people talk about humility, but it's very important, I found, to be grateful and to celebrate your own wins.
1: Absolutely, because it's so easy to overlook them. It, it really yeah. is. Yeah. You had a quote that said, Math is about the quest, it's not mm. just about finding answers. Yeah. I really like that quote. Talk to me about the parallels to that and entrepreneurship.
0: I got excited because just last night I was helping my teenage daughter with some math. And it was math I didn't remember so well. But I told her, listen, you know, let's work through it together. And I've always been telling her, sorry for a little bit of a sort of a, not off topic, it's on topic, but I, I tell her AI and chat GPT. You know why I love it? It's because it's teaching people how to ask questions better, right? The people who know how to ask questions well are the ones who are gonna win. And and so I tell her math isn't about solving problems. It's about being able to ask the question. Like if you set up an equation, if you know how to create an equation, then the computer can answer the question, right? You know, that's this, that's calculation. In business, I mean, I think it's the same thing. It's The biggest challenge in business is finding out the problem, defining the problem really well that you're trying to solve and defining the solution well. The execution is important, but again, you could use ChatGPT to do the execution. You could hire to do the execution. You know, you could automate. But really it's about defining the problem and articulating the solution to the people who you need to buy the problem. It's the communication and the articulation and defining the problem.
1: I love that perspective. I always equate entrepreneurs to being scientists in the sense Mm -hmm. that you may have this hypothesis of what your business will be or who Mm -hmm. you're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. But once you actually put it into action, you might be amazed at what the results could be in the sense Mm -hmm. that, oh, I thought my target audience was this group, but it might end up being a completely different group. And now you have two different audiences or a different segment of an audience. I look at entrepreneurship as a lot of experiments. And as someone who is a scientist and an entrepreneur, would you co-sign that philosophy?
0: I definitely would. I mean, I think what science does is, You do experiments, you get results, and then if you get the results often enough, you say, okay, the process worked. The original hypothesis worked. Now you call it a law, right? Or a process if it's engineering or whatever. Same in business. I think the greatest businesses have a repeatable process and system that works. So the experiments and the results really are informing the thing that drives them, which is the process or, you know, or the, or the theory. So I, I think, you know, I think the parallels are completely on point and actually I give you credit for noticing that in my bio <laughs> rather, you know, it's not something I think about all the time, but I've been thinking about it more and more that really everything is about ultimately coming up with a process that you can use to drive the results.
1: I think that's, You hit it right there. Process is very important. I think with a couple of my businesses, I did not have a consistent process or system in place. I got good results, but it became a bit overwhelming because I didn't have those systems in place. And you're right about that. As you Mm -hmm. think about your STEM reads book club, and if you decide to revive it, yeah. What different process do you think that you would institute to to help it to perform better or to have a better handle on it, especially since you will be wearing all the hats?
0: I think what I would do is what I mentioned earlier, which is really start with defining who my audience is and what problem I want to solve. I mean, I can't solve a problem that I'm inventing, so I've got to do a little bit of Customer validation. Initially, we were targeting parents uh, and obviously their children, but you know now I'm thinking that teachers who teach STEM in elementary school could be an audience that really could use a solution in this space, or children's book authors. So I've been around some children's book authors, and they were excited about what I'm doing, right? And given my background in publishing. You know, I think I would first like try to figure out who has this problem and what can I offer them? And then in terms of setting up a process, it would be about like, as you just used the word experiment. And, you know, once I'm doing the thing, I have to pay attention to the feedback and then I can iterate and improve a process that. Delivers the solution more efficiently, which not only helps the customer, but helps me, right? In terms of margins, in terms of the rewards and the revenue, you know, the more efficient you are, it helps both ends the customer and the business.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What challenge has taught you the most about yourself?
0: I'm going to go with something that I, I think I shared with you before that I'm vulnerable. My second daughter is autistic and nonverbal. And it's been, I mean, she's the joy of our life. She's incredible. She's got a beautiful smile, but it's been incredibly challenging. Anyone who has a child who's autistic and nonverbal understands the challenges. And that's another reason I think I don't say a lot, but that's another reason that motivates me to bet on myself because when when the challenges first started occurring, I was working in a different job as a journalist, as a writer, and I had to take family leave just because the school would call me almost every day, come pick up your child, it's, you know, we can't handle. It. And so I would, I said, you know what, just let me be able to work from home. I'm gonna take like family medical leave just to take care of my daughter. And then when I came to, you know, the in book publishing, the same things were happening. I had to ask them for a lot of um, just sort of permission, right, to be flexible, to respond to her needs. Um, now she's in a much better school system, and you know we're blessed because you know they're doing a much better job and and providing for her, and we're so grateful. But it taught me to just it taught me first of all empathy. You know, I just now I have so much empathy for people in in any situation, not just in the this, this same situation. But it taught me that, you know what, you can do anything, you know, if you can, if you can manage to hold a job, parent all their children, you know, take care of your family, take care of your daughter, you can do anything. And and I think, like I said, it also taught me a lot of empathy. And, and for that, I'm eternally grateful.
1: That's incredible. I applaud you for that. And I know that when you have to ask permission for your employers to be able to do that, that can be a humbling experience. I can imagine.
0: My dream in life is to be able to be in a position where I never have to do that again. Right. I can work on my own terms. I can not work on my own terms and be able to take care of all three of my kids and my wife and my family without asking permission for some basic things, you know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And you're modeling that behavior, both you and your wife. You're modeling that behavior for your daughters because they saw your wife go back to school, complete another degree, make that transition at a point in her life where she had a family and other obligations. And the same thing for you. They see that, okay, daddy's going to bet on himself by trying something new pursuing his passions and helping other children. That's the other part of it too, because as you continue with STEM Reads Book Club, or even if you, I know you're talking about another project is the Pub Savvy Academy, where you are the founder and book coach. I would imagine you might have some children's books in there somewhere along the way, in addition to all of these other fantastic Things that you have been focusing on in the past as well, so you are modeling that behavior of being a bit more independent-minded in that way.
0: Yeah, and thank you for asking that question.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's important because the little people are watching, right? Yeah, like they, they are watching. They definitely, are. <laughs> <laughs> they're watching. They're observing sometimes tell you what they're observing. Sometimes they won't and they'll just be processing it all. But I think even your middle daughter, she's paying attention to see the empathy that you have for her, the creativity that both you and your wife have around building your schedules, around making it helpful for her and her siblings. So I, I think that's important to recognize for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: right.
1: Talk about breaking out of the limitations of status, like degrees, titles, prestigious employers. What's been helpful to you to overcome that job title enmeshment, if you will?
0: Yeah, well, realizing that it wasn't helping, <laughs> realizing that it wasn't helping me achieve my goals. You know, realizing that it was a little empty. I think there's a quote that uh, that's pretty famous now that Naval Ravikant put out, which is play stupid games, win stupid prizes, which means if you play the status game, yeah, you can get status. But like, what does that give you? It really doesn't give you much. If you play the game of value and contribution, you get you to feel amazing that you're a human who's contributed into society and humanity. And it's just, I think the law of the universe, it it comes back to you and I wouldn't say I completely was playing the status game when I went and I got a PhD, but it was partially a status game because I watched my parents um, go and get great degrees. And I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. And I saw that at least their friends were saying, oh, wow, you're, you know, my dad got his PhD in his forties. And, you know, I just saw how, his friends and that generation elevated the idea of having like a graduate degree. But we live in, and I think thankfully we're living in a different time where people aren't elevating that anymore as much, you know, they're focused on who's out there actually delivering value. And so, you know, I realized that me having a degree wasn't enough, right? Me going to work for people and sort of being limited in, not only in my income, but limited in my creative freedom, limited in a lot of ways, you know, that the degree didn't help any, right? So now I'm breaking out of the status game in the credentials game and actually learning and appreciating having to put in the work, you know, having to go on social and start over and say, introduce the world to what I can do and actually do it for people. And they they talk about building in public, do it in public. And you reap the rewards because it's sort of now tapping in. The internet allows us to tap into that universal law of what you give, you know, come back to you.
1: Absolutely. And I, I agree that we are living in a new age where those degrees sometimes don't have as much power as we thought they did. Now, they right. obviously mean a lot when you are, are, are a physician in some capacity. Right. Obviously, you have to have, right. you know, the proper credentials. Yeah. However, if you decide that you want to build an app or some particular type of software, you no longer need a four-year degree and have all of these special certifications in order to do that, right? They have no code schools and coding academies and things like that, right? Right. Where you can learn all of those things at this point, it is truly about the results that you can provide.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Naval calls it permissionless leverage. And he said the two greatest forms of permissionless leverage now is code and media. And as you said, code meaning even no code just building automating processes at scale you know let's call that code and media is what you're doing podcasts you know social media youtube whatever right and you don't need a certification to do these things anymore you just do it and if people find value you'll get the rewards so it's exciting
1: It's very freeing, too. Does it also give you hope for what your girls have to look forward to? I know your oldest is 13. Is that right? 16. Oh, 16.
0: Oh, wow. 16. She's going to graduate next year. So we're in the middle of college hunting, in in fact. So, yeah, to answer your question, it's very exciting. But you know what's kind of interesting? I think in traditional schooling, they're still teaching them the old ways. So it's kind of funny because she thinks, oh, I have to go to college. I have to get this degree for people to take me seriously. Even though she's seeing us think differently. And I'm sharing this because I know other people are going through this. So I want want the world to, you know, for us to have this discussion. We're still training children, at least in formal education settings, that you need to do it one way. When in fact, you see so many young people online doing it a different way. I mean, obviously we're seeing the ones that are succeeding, not the ones that maybe failed and gave up, but there's no permission. You just keep going. If you have a passion, it's not about, you know, just getting a quick win and becoming the biggest YouTuber or Instagrammer, like right away. It's just about, it doesn't cost you much to just create and have consistency in what you're building. And over time you get better and you grow.
1: Yeah. The world has so many opportunities for your young daughter who is graduating yeah. and for the other two that will soon be in that position. There's so many more opportunities and it's a beautiful thing to witness as we're going um, through this process. Yeah. Because of your varied background, you have so many wonderful things. If you were going to give a TED Talk, what would you talk about? <laughs> because I know you have so many interests.
0: one of my favorite questions ever (laughs) it's a good thing I kind of like somehow I wasn't prepared but I have a good answer I I was at a sort of a life transformation seminar a few months ago and I heard this phrase dance with your fear and I bought the domain name (laughs) dancewithyourfair.com and actually what I plan to do is launch A newsletter I don't think you and I spoke about this but I I'm going to do a newsletter where I talk about dancing with your fair and what that concept is 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 the me bet it's betting on yourself basically like you know what is the thing you always wanted to do as a kid but then you were taught that you had to get a degree and that people had to tell you yes I'm gonna hire you all right and And then you forgot the thing you wanted to do. You forgot the things that got you excited. And now you have to be in a position where you start over in a way you have to put yourself out and to be vulnerable. And that's your fear. And dancing with your fear means accepting the fear. Like it's, you know, that's how you feel. Like you're not be afraid to show your face, you know, on camera or to speak or to write, but, but you need that. That's what drives you. That's, that's where your greatness lies, is at the intersection of you just being aware of your fear, not not trying to act as though it, pretend it doesn't exist, but moving along with it. I think that's what we're both doing. We're dancing with our fears when we create and it's exhilarating and it would be my TED talk, I think. <laughs>
1: I love that. I absolutely love that. I love the domain name. I think it's perfect. <laughs> I'm ready to sign up on your newsletter. So you'll definitely have to get that going.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be my thing. It's going to be for me, but it's going to certainly be for everyone who's on the same journey. Um, so I do have the Substack already, substack.com. So come on in and, you know, I want to build this community around that concept.
1: I love that. How do you deal with fear and uncertainty?
0: Mm, it's a you know, it's a hard question. Um, I think ultimately how I deal with it is I lean on my, I, I was blessed to have parents who just loved me and really thought I was gonna be great and I was great. And so I go back to that. I just say, you know, they, they are people who love me. And now my children and my wife, unconditional love, leaning on my faith in God, so all of those things is how I ultimately deal with fear and uncertainty. The other way I deal with it is is doing the thing, and once the pain is over, I realize, oh, it didn't kill me. <laughs> you know, like on my birthday a, a week ago, I took a sixteen mile walk, and it was tough. But you know, I just do hard things to overcome the fear, or at least to sort of put it in its place.
1: Happy belated birthday. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. That's incredible. One of my other guests said confidence follows action. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with me and it resonates because the more you do something, the more confidence you'll have with it so the next time you decide to go on another big hike since you did it once yeah. you can do it again whether it's the yeah. same amount of time or length you can continue to do it and build upon it and you feel more confident in doing that
0: yeah yeah 100 confidence is follow action
1: what would your younger self be proud of you for
0: Breaking out of the status game. I mean, you know, let's, let's be real. You know, I come from a minoritized background where the win in life is to prove that you're an equal, right? Especially intellectually. And so in my community, people wanted you to be as do as well as you could academically. Um, mainly just to prove to yourself that you're an equal and to the community, right? And all that is fine. It, and I understand why, you know, that's a big driver. But in the younger me didn't look beyond that, didn't look into, you know what? Learn how to create value. The younger me used to look at merchants and entrepreneurs. You know, this was in the 80s and 90s, right? Um, and when entrepreneurship wasn't that <laughs> that, that popular, and I looked at those people, I sort of looked down a little bit on them, right? I said, oh, there's, there's, they just sell, right? They're salespeople. They're trying to trick you into buying things, right? I didn't see them as providing value. I didn't see entrepreneurs as providing value. And the younger me was a little bit snobbish, to be honest, right? I looked at people with degrees and who could say big words as, as the people that I wanted to become. And I became that. And then I realized there's nothing to that if you're not serving. And so, you know, I think the younger me would be proud of breaking out of that mentality.
1: When did it click for you? When did it go from being snobby to having (laughs) empathy?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. So the snobbishness, I I, I just want to clean it up because I don't want (laughs) to associate myself with snobbishness. It wasn't it wasn't like outwardly snobbish, right? But it's just that thinking, right? That I, that that's not what I wanted. That to me, it was better to be, you know, this person. And when did it switch to empathy? I honestly, I think I'm gonna throw out a name that most people know, Gary Vaynerchuk. Like, and, and this happened when I started dealing with, you know, my daughter who's autistic and sort of having to stay up late at night, you know, working with her or taking her on drives to calm her, all these things. I started listening to a lot of YouTube and just, you know, just inspiration and just something to sort of temper me a little bit. And I started listening to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and he's like the ultimate entrepreneur. That's all he talks about. And he just made me realize like, hmm, that's a different lifestyle where he's created and he's just being his best self and he's creating value for others. And he's, he was just exp- talking about that. And I realized, well, maybe that's what I really love. I mean, I've always loved, you used the word inventor. I've always loved inventing and creating, but I saw it again from a, a perspective of, oh, you invented something. yay! people will call you an inventor. But then I realized, and then I started learning from him and from others on the internet that it was more than about the accolades. It was about creating value. And there's a, so much reward in creating value. And I think, again, another, I guess, blessing of having you know to go through this journey with my daughter was being forced to think differently and to listen to different voices.
1: That's absolutely beautiful. I think that's a great way to sum up a lot of what you've done, which is, you know, you've been forced to think outside of the box a little bit yeah. As a scientist, an engineer, a father, and an entrepreneur, an inventor. And it's great when you can take a step back and see how all of these things connect in such a beautiful way. And I thank you for your time here. I've, I've had such a wonderful time talking to you and having this great conversation. And I am looking forward to your newsletter which is dance with your fear. And I think that's such, first of all, I love the title. (laughs) I'm glad you got that (laughs) name. I liked it as soon as I heard it
0: myself. So
1: yeah. That's awesome. I think that's such an incredible title. And I think that's so fitting for all of us, no matter whether we're entrepreneurs, jobbers, stay at home parents, whatever. All of us as humans, we all have some sort of fear. But I like the mm-hmm. fact that basically you're talking about lean into it, dance with it, figure it out, yeah. work through it, yeah. and yeah. and see how it can open a whole new world for you if you just get started and act on it. I think that's Absolutely. incredible. Thank you for your time, Jeremy. I appreciate it. You have given us so many wonderful things to think about, and I'm looking forward to your next projects, not just the newsletter, but I know you are also a book coach, so I am looking forward to seeing the different properties that you'll be putting out later on in the year or consulting with. Thank you for stopping by the Me Bet today.
0: This has been incredible. Thank you, Erica.
1: Jeremy has a compelling story that I think many people can relate to, where he was living a checklist life, yet wasn't happy or didn't achieve the freedom he was seeking. Here are three takeaways. One, Jeremy stresses the importance of breaking free from societal expectations, how we shouldn't let job titles or credentials limit our potential. Instead, we should focus on delivering value and building something meaningful beyond traditional norms. Number two, fear can often hold us back from pursuing our dreams. But what if we could dance with our fears and turn them into stepping stones to success? We must learn to accept the unknown, take calculated risks, And conquer our fears. And number three, embrace the quest, not just the answers. In both math and entrepreneurship, it's important to focus on the journey and the process of discovery. Don't solely fixate on finding the right answers. Enjoy the exploration and learning along the way. That's it for today. Join me, your host, Erica Johnson, next week for our final episode of the season of the me Bet Podcast.